Hey guys, this is The Crux, a true survival podcast. I'm your host, Casey McIntosh, and I'm joined by my sister, Tessa King. How are you guys doing today? Well, I'm great. Thank you for asking. <laughs> Good. Thanks for tuning into our story. Uh, let's just dig right in. Or dive right in, am I right? Dive right in, yes. 24-year-old Todd Endress was doing what he loved to do, surf. It was a late August morning in Monterey Bay in 2007. It was a foggy morning at Marina State Beach. He pulled on his wetsuit and paddled out and caught a wave. And when he started heading in, he felt an immense force that hit the bottom of his board, catapulting him 15 feet off the board into the water. He knew this could only mean one thing. He was being attacked by a shark. Todd Endress was born on April 23, 1983. He grew up in Spreckles, California, a town in the Salinas Valley of Monterey County, a small town that in 2000 had a census of 475 residents. He was the child of Mike and Kathy Endress. Todd grew up to love the ocean. And when he was in his teenage years, he spent a lot of time in Santa Cruz and then Santa Barbara, where he became a surf camp counselor. He went to college at California State University in Monterey Bay. He was able to surf daily and studied marine life and had an interest in creating aquariums. He started his own business in 2006 called Monterey Aquarium Services. Isn't that where that uh, Reese Witherspoon show takes place? I was in Monterey? Get, I was just getting to that. For those of you who do not know or haven't seen Big Little Eyes, Monterey Bay is a city on California's rugged central coast. It's famous for being a location of sardine packing. And now, Big Little Eyes. Well, it seems pretty ritzy from that show, but haven't been there. From the Sea Monterey travel website, they describe surfing in Monterey as such. Quote, with easy rolling point breaks, wedgie swells, and both left and right peaks, the Monterey Bay coastline is a popular destination for surfing. Coastline coves and notches serve up year-round swaths of beach and waves for beginners and veteran surfers alike, end quote. Despite the good surfing, it comes at a risk of encountering great white sharks. There are 5,322 square miles of ocean in the National Marine Sanctuary, boasting the most diverse protected ecosystems in the world. This also includes Red Triangle, given this name because of shark attacks that have occurred most often between August and November, which is hunting time for great sharks looking to fill their bellies with young seals and sea lions. And surfers, presumably. However, only 50 shark attacks have occurred in Red Triangle between 1959 and 2007. Surfers are aware of shark attack stories. Andrus said that, quote, it's always in the back of your mind. You know they're out there, end quote. George Burgess, who is the director of International Shark Attack in Gainesville, Florida, stated that, quote, anybody who surfs or dives where seals and sea lions are prevalent could be asking for trouble. You wouldn't walk through a herd of antelope on the Serengeti knowing that you could be attacked by a lion. CaliforniaBeaches.com states that shark attacks have happened in recent years from Imperial Beach near the Mexican border up to the Klamath River Beach near Oregon. Documented incidents have occurred in every single county along the California Pacific Coast since 2000. From this data, we have determined that few open water areas are completely safe from sharks. Keep in mind that even if there are no recent shark attacks in an area, that doesn't mean it is shark-free. 
So back to the morning in August. Todd grabbed onto his board. He waded into the water and noticed a pod of dolphins playing in the waves ahead of him. Todd was going surfing with his friend, x-ray technician Brian Simpson. He surfed one wave, and then he paddled out to catch another. Things were going smoothly. He was sitting on his board 75 feet from shore, watching his friend glide on a nearby wave. Suddenly, he felt a force under his board from below that catapulted him 15 feet into the air, and he went headfirst into the ocean. Immediately, he knew the source of the impact, and his heart began to race. He jumped back on his board, which is still attached to him by a leash, and pointed the nose of the board towards the shore to paddle in. But before he could get very far, the shark hit the bottom of the board again. Almost immediately, the enormous 16-foot great white shark had Endress's torso in his jaws, digging his three rows of razor-sharp teeth into Endress's back. Oh, uh, no. The shark had pulled him under the water, and Endress repeatedly slammed his fist into the shark's snout, trying to get its eyes. He stated, quote, It was like punching a Chevy Suburban covered with sandpaper. I was getting nowhere. But quote. that's what you're supposed to do, right, is hit it in the face. That's my understanding. But, yeah, that's what I've heard before. He felt no pain when the shark forcefully moved him about in his mouth to and fro in his strong jaws. Another surfer was out in the water that day, too, 25-year-old college student Joe Jensen. He heard a loud splash as he sat on his board, when he heard, and when he heard the sound, he looked back and saw something so huge, it initially looked like a whale, but it was the shark with Endress's surfboard in its mouth. Oh, so he got the whole thing, not just his body, but the surfboard, too? Well, I'm not sure if that was in the same one. Chomp. Pulse. Yeah. <laughs> the splash was followed by Endress's screams. His immediate impulse was to swim towards shore. He was like, I am getting out of here. I'm oh, not going to be I would do. a part of this bloodbath. <laughs> Jansen heard Endress shout for help before the shark took Endress down by his thigh. Another witness was Wes Williams, a 33 owner of Kamira Bar. He had noticed there were multiple dolphins jumping all over Endress and was wondering what Endress had done to upset the dolphins until he saw a ring of blood in the water. Endress's leg was firmly in the jaws of the shark still, and he was using his free leg to repeatedly kick the shark in the nose. He was intermittently able to gasp for breath and call out for help. At first, Endress didn't notice the dolphins flying all over his head. Finally, the shark released him, and at that time it appeared that the dolphins had formed a wall protecting him from the shark. That does not even sound real. I know, <laughs> I know. At that point, Jensen, who had decided that he would live with guilt if he didn't try to help Endress, started paddling into the bloody water towards Endress. Only one minute had passed since the shark took his first bite. Jensen noticed that Endress's leg was shredded to the bone. Ugh. He pulled on his big boy pants, as my friend Anne would like to say, and tried to remain calm. Williams also swam out to help, and then Endress's friend Simpson, who had been in shallow water. They were able to get him out of the water by lifting him under his armpits. Endress began to feel pain after the men drug him onto the beach, where they positioned him with his feet up so the gravity was working, you know, getting his blood towards his heart and his brain as opposed to the other way. So he's not bleeding out. Yeah. Of course, they called 911. And thankfully, since his friend was an x-ray tech, he had some experience in trauma, and he was able to use a six-foot surfboard leash to act as a tourniquet on Endress's leg. Oh, that's super smart. Mm-hmm. There was no real way to slow the bleeding from his torso wound, which was 40 inches. Oh, my gosh. There was a large flap that, when lifted, exposed Endress's spine and organs. The men supported him with encouraging words while they waited for EMS, which took 10 minutes. 
A beach patrol crew was on scene first, and they transported him in a truck to an ambulance, and then he was ultimately flown to a trauma center in Santa Clara. That's pretty quick response time, though. Ten minutes is nothing. Yeah, that's pretty quick. For the one minute of damage time that the shark had, it took surgeons six hours to put him back together. They oh, placed, I believe it. Yeah. 500 sutures and 200 staples. His injuries were almost fatal. A few bite marks were close to his lungs, and one bite mark was two millimeters from his aorta. So just so you have a general idea of how big of a deal this is, if the shark had gotten his aorta, he would have bled out in one to two minutes, tops. Putting him back together was like doing a jigsaw puzzle. And he spent only six days in the hospital, which is kind of short, I would think, Yeah, all that he went through. Endress's mom, who had studied to be a nurse, took care of him after he was discharged from the hospital. And Endress suffered from some PTSD, and he felt like he had no one to talk to about it. He did, however, focus on the positive, thinking about the dolphins and the people who saved his life. He stated, quote, I tell my story now to anybody who will listen to me because I want people to know how truly remarkable dolphins are. They're as smart as humans, and I believe they're capable of empathy. When I was being attacked that day, maybe they were trying to protect their young or act on instinct, but they drove the shark away. If they hadn't, there's no doubt in my mind it would have come back. End quote. Additionally, Endress worked with an advisory committee in Monterey for the International Shark Attack Research Fund, which is wildlife veterans and marine biologists who are working on an attack prevention system, which is a portable device that uses electrical pulses to repel sharks. And I looked online a little bit and saw some information about different, basically wearable devices that are supposed to repel sharks, but I don't know if there's something that's truly effective. I'm going to have to do some research on that. Well, it would make me feel better anyway, whether or not it works. I know. <laughs> like I'm wearing it. I know, for, for sure. Dolphins saved Todd Endress, and they've protected other humans in the past. In 1996, Martin Richardson was attacked by a shark while diving in the Red Sea, and three bottlenosed dolphins swam around him flapping wildly. Reconati Center for Maritime Studies at the University of Haifa in Israel made a statement about this. Quote, this defensive behavior of dolphins is common when mothers are protecting their calves from predators. In August of 2000, Davide Sisi, a 14-year-old boy, fell off his father's boat in the Adriatic Sea and was rescued by a dolphin named Flippo. Flippo was a popular attraction for tourists off Manfredonia in southeast Italy for two years. Davide's father was initially unaware that his son went overboard. The dolphin pushed Davide out of the water and Davide grabbed on. The dolphin then swam close enough to the boat so Davide's father could reach his son. In October of 2004, a group of four people were saved by a pod of dolphins. Rob Howes was swimming with his daughter Nissi 100 meters from the shore near the North Island of New Zealand with two of her friends when the dolphins arrived. And initially Rob thought they were just being playful, but the dolphins soon rounded them up, swimming circles around them. Rob tried to swim away from the group, but was held in place by two large dolphins when finally he realized that there was a three-meter shark in the water. The dolphins stayed with the group for 40 minutes until the sharks lost interest, and the group of humans were able to swim to shore safely. That is pretty crazy. I know. In April 2014, athlete Adam Walker was doing an open water swim for whale and dolphin conservation when he was swimming Cook Strait in New Zealand, an eight hour and 33 minute stretch, when a six foot great white 
lurked beneath the surface, a pod of dolphins appeared and swam with him for more than an hour. Dolphins have been observed helping whales in distress in shallow water. They also have been known to help fishermen with their catches in Myanmar, Brazil, and Mauritania. The dolphins herd fish towards fishermen and signal them to deploy their nets. The fishermen make it worth their while by saving some of the fish for the dolphins. And interestingly, the dolphins are not taught to do this trick. So back to sharks. In June this year, The Guardian published an article about the ecosystem in the region after a 35-year-old male was attacked by a juvenile shark at Gray Whale Cove Beach in California. In a seven-year study conducted by marine ecologists at Montana State University, they concluded that the number of great white sharks were up in California's, quote, red triangle, end quote. There were 266 adult and sub-adult great whites, an increase from a decade earlier. In an article for Newsweek, Paul Knive, author and member of California White Shark Tagging Team, said, quote, We are cautiously optimistic that this is a good news story for the ocean ecosystem off California. The findings are a good indicator of the overall health of the system. As an apex predator, white sharks need a healthy structure of other animals in the lower levels of the food chain. The preferred prey of, white, of the white shark, coastal seals, and sea lions have rebounded to very high numbers, thereby providing sustainable and plentiful food sources for the sharks. Despite the horror stories of shark attacks, the thought alone making the hair stand up on the back of my neck, shark attacks are not common. A study in 2015 indicates that the likelihood is 1 in 17 million. I've heard that it's more likely to die from falling airplane parts than it is from a shark attack. Well, that's good news. Yeah, because that seems random and like it would never happen. Yeah. (laughs) The human population has increased, but the rate of shark attacks from 1950 to 2013 decreased in a relative ratio by 91%. So in a situation like this, do you know what they do? Do they close off a beach? For instance, here, if somebody got attacked by a bear, they would try to do something with the bear, which I would assume would be much harder with a shark, but you think they'd want to... Yeah, my guess is that they probably would just mark off the beach, but I don't know that for sure. Yeah, I'm interested. Anybody who knows, reach out to us and give us that info. So this guy that we were talking about before, Knive, he also told Mercury News that the probability of people encountering a white shark is very low and said that it was a very rare event. Unfortunately, the hero of our story survived a shark attack to later get in a car crash that abruptly ended his life in September 12th, on September 12th, 2016. I'm gonna read an excerpt of his obituary to end our episode. Todd was larger than life, a genuinely kind person with a huge heart, a loud voice, a strong hug, and an unmistakable contagious laugh. He loved his family, his friends, his pets, the ocean, snowboarding, and sharks hockey. Todd had a zest for life and for fun. He was a free spirit and a kind soul, pure of heart, authentic, and accepting of all people. Todd was one of a kind. He laughed and lived with abandon and had so much of life figured out before the rest of us. We are all better off for having known and loved him. Having gained a beautiful light and a loud laugh with Todd's arrival, we will deeply miss him here. I just thought that was really heartfelt, so. Aw, that is sad, though. He was only 24 when this happened, and... Yeah, he was 33 when he passed away. Yeah, sad. Anyway, I just found the whole um, 
topic of dolphins saving, saving humans really interesting. Yeah. Imagine swimming and be like, can you just get out of my way? <laughs> and you're like, oh, never mind. Please stay Thanks. here. Please stay here. Thanks for looking out. Yeah. And the other thing that I thought was interesting is that the shark doesn't actually attack the dolphin, but maybe there are just too many. And so it doesn't want to bother. Yeah. Because it would be a lot. I guess. I don't know. Interesting. Well, I don't want it to happen to me. No. That's, I think part of the idea of being attacked by a shark that's so scary is that you can't actually see it coming for you. You know, when other animals are attacking you, you at least have a two-second warning. Like, mm-hmm. oh, here's a bear about to eat my head. But it comes from below. Yeah, exactly. You have no idea that it's there. It Thanks. reminded me of the hippo story. Yeah, the hippo story is just suddenly in the jaws down the throat of a hippo. But the hippo has way less uh, sharp teeth. But it also has teeth in the back of its throat <laughs> no terrible. thanks all around no thanks let's not be murdered by animals please yeah guys don't be murdered by animals thanks <laughs> all right well i hope you guys have a great week yeah and if you do almost get murdered by an animal contact us and we'd love to interview you <laughs> please leave us a nice review we love reading them it keeps us going as long as they're nice yeah just be nice if you can't be nice go somewhere else find another podcast <laughs> <laughs> All right, have a good week. Stay alive till next time. Stay alive.